Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 172 of the Australian Hiker podcast and our last podcast for 2020. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about guided hikes. Now, when it comes to hiking, there really is no one way to get involved. Some people stick to shorter hikes that can be completed within a day. For others, it may mean starting with day hikes and expanding into those lasting multiple days, weeks, or even months, either as a solo or group activity. Even then, there is a decision to make about whether you want to do all the organisation and logistics yourself or leave it to others by going on a guided hike. In this episode, we look at the pros and cons of guided hikes to help you decide if this is an option for you, uh, and this decision may not be as clear-cut as you think. We hope you enjoy. What is a guided hike? Ask most people what they think a guided hike is, and you are likely to get a common answer, something along the lines of a hike organised by a club, a group, or commercial entity. While essentially this is true, it's not the only answer, uh, but I suppose as a generic phrase, if you like, guided hikes involve a degree of external assistance, and it comes into or falls into the following main categories. Firstly, there is the commercial operation. Uh, that we're going to look at. Uh, And this is where we're talking about guided hikes in the group format. Now, this is where a group of like-minded hikers come together uh, on a trip, and this is usually arranged by an outdoor travel agent of some type. This type of trip, uh, the logistical arrangements are provided by the agent, and may include things like international airfares, if, there is, if it's an overseas trip, internal transfers, meals, overnight accommodation and campsite fees. Trip organisers will also recommend and arrange relevant insurances. Now, if you're new to hiking and, and aren't sure how things are operate uh, or how to organise things, then this is a great option. Group trips will certainly vary on how they run. Some trips will be full-on hiking where you carry all your gear, setting up your tent at the end of the day and cooking your own food, but you have a guide there with you uh, and someone who's organising logistics in relation to what is the the accommodation, what is the campsite, uh, what time do you start hiking, what time do you finish hiking at the end of the day. Other trips uh, will transfer your gear on a daily basis from campsite to campsite, leaving you with just a day pack to carry. This type of trip will usually have cooks and your tent will often be set up at the end of the day. These trips are usually well staffed, in particular those arranged in non-Western countries where wages are often much lower. Typically there'll be a designated trip leader uh, who will arrange and coordinate the day-to-day logistics and often there'll be secondary staff who who help to uh, arrange the uh, tent sites and the meals. Now, there are a number of well-recognised companies that provide group services for both national and international hikes. 
And to give you an idea, we have done a few hikes that fall into this category. One in South America, uh, uh, which was done in 2006, and another one done in 2012 uh, in relation to uh, Bhutan. So the next type of guided hike we're going to talk about is a guided hike in a private setting. So what that means is essentially you or perhaps a couple uh, get a guide and uh, it's a variation of the group tours, uh, but it means that you get to decide pretty much uh, where you're going to go, what you're going to focus on and uh, what time you're going to get up in the morning, what time you're going to have your dinner. Um, so it's much more centred around you and what you want to see and what you want to experience. Now, I think the big thing with this one is um, with less people and full control pretty much over what's happening on the hike, you will expect to pay probably a, quite a substantial bonus on this one in relation to how much the trip's going to cost you. No people, um, <laughs> lots of money. <laughs> so it, it's an option, but it can be an expensive option. From there, we moved on to self-guided hikes. And these are trips where a, a travel agent will often do the logistical side of things, but you really are doing everything on your own. Uh and in, in, in previous episodes, we've talked about um, the uh, one of the hikes in Japan, uh, and we interviewed as part of that uh, one of the organisers who organises trips, and he'll take both guided trips, but he'll also arrange self-guided trips. So he'll arrange the accommodation, uh, he'll deal with everything, and you just have to know when to where you what accommodation you need to be at the end of a particular day. The food's all organised, so really you're leaving the more difficult and fiddly stuff to him, but you're doing the walk yourself. Yeah, and you don't just get an itinerary and, uh, you know, show up here, do this. You get some guidance information around um, what you're likely to see and what it's about and, um, you know, some guidance on what to focus on. So it's quite a, a, a nice alternative, I think. And I think with these type of hikes as well, they'll typically provide an itinerary. So sometimes it may well be that you have to turn up to a particular accommodation on a particular night because the next night or the previous night's already booked. But apart from that, you know, if you want to walk really hard and fast in the morning and then take a few hours off for lunch and do your own thing, you've got that ability and you've got that flexibility. Yeah, when we uh, were mountaineering in um, Switzerland, there was a, a couple there that uh, pretty much was doing that kind of tour. We had a, a more regimented tour um, and they decided that they would get up in the morning and do a bit and then not do so much in the afternoon, which was, you know, something that suited them. One thing while, while Jill mentioned that Switzerland trip, we actually booked onto a group hike uh, or group trip and it was designed as to teach you how to do mountaineering, you know, the basics anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't think we'd ever call ourselves mountaineers. No, no, but, yeah. but it was interesting. Uh, it gave us hiking experience in the snow and on ice, uh, but we ended up being just the two of us anyway because um, the, uh, the the trip will run from a minimum of two people and we just happened to be there on the day. Uh, so it didn't cost us any more, uh, but we ended up with a, a private uh, guide anyway. Now, the next type of uh, hiking experience uh, we're going to talk about is one associated with clubs. And if you go 
anywhere in Australia, uh, whether it's town or city, there will be a bushwalking club. Uh, don't normally call themselves hiking clubs, but there'll definitely be a bushwalking club of some kind and probably several if it's in a regional centre. And, uh, you know, they'll be well established. They'll know the local area and... Um, it's a really interesting one because there's lots of personality aspects to uh, bushwalking clubs and you will need to look around to find the one that suits you best. And uh, we do have a, a friend who's been through this experience uh, recently and touched into some of the bushwalking clubs in their local area and have hasn't yet found one that really quite suits them. Um, but there's a lot of knowledge and there's a lot of experience. Um, it's a great way to connect with like-minded people and it's a great way to build your skills as well. In a similar sort of vein as the clubs and probably a, a more modern take on something is the meetup groups. And this is something that's become very common over the last sort of five-year period. So this is the version that says you don't have to commit, you can just show up. <laughs> yeah. So meetup groups are pretty much based on uh, run based on the internet. Uh, you log on to a meetup group. Uh, you've, you'll find that there might be someone in your local area running a hike to a particular uh, location. Um, you know, the details will be there. So you can say, well, okay, that distance and the, and the walk interests me. Uh, you book and pay online and then you turn up. Uh, and it's it's the sort of thing where you don't really have to commit. You can go along to one or two and, you know, if you like it, you can keep on going. If you don't like it, you move on to another one, which you can do with clubs as well. Um, but this is just the modern day version. Uh, and certainly from my perspective, what I've seen with meetup groups, and this is just from personal experience more than anything else, is it, it tends to be a younger demographic, uh, but not always. So these days with meetup groups, it's not unusual to get women's only meetup groups or under 30 meetup groups. Um, it's not uncommon for, for them to target. So whereas bushwalking clubs are pretty much open to everybody and anybody, the meetup groups will often target to particular demographics, um, which means that if you're looking for a, a female only group or a a younger person's group, you know that everybody else on the trip is likely to be in the same sort of demographic. Yeah, and I think the nice thing about that is that you're connecting on a number of different levels. It's not just um, about the hiking itself. It's about, you know, pe people who've got uh, potentially uh, similar experiences um, if you're talking about the under 30s and so on. So, you know, it's a nice way to also meet some new friends, I think. One thing I will say here, I mean, and the, and the difference really here between the, the clubs and the meetup groups, clubs tend to be run pretty much on a national basis. So bushwalking clubs uh, tend to be in particular areas. They have access to insurance policies organised by national bodies. Um, so it means that if accidents occur or injuries occur, you know there's insurance behind the, the clubs. Whereas meetup groups, they may have insurance organised, they may not. Uh, and this is something to keep in mind when you look at this, that you know, in, in a club you, you would expect a fairly experienced person to be running a, a club walk of some sort, uh, whereas at the meet-up group, um, anybody can set up a meet-up group and uh, they can have a, a, 
a, a good strength of uh, knowledge and experience, or they might have a fairly minor uh, capacity in that respect. So again, it's the sort of thing, you, you know, it's just like the clubs, you need to find one that suits you with what it is, but also have a look and see if they are offering insurance just in case, however unlikely it may be that something does go wrong. Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes we undervalue that insurance aspect and some of the meetup groups do charge a small amount to um, uh, facilitate payment of the insurance Um and it is a small amount and, you know, sometimes people think, oh, well, you know, I could I could do this walk by myself. But the point is you didn't um, and some someone's there and someone's taking responsibility uh, and, you know, they you need to make sure that they're covered as well. Now, while we've been talking about commercial uh, guided tours, there's also the option of having non-commercial guiding and by this we mean going hiking uh, and camping with friends. Now, in most cases, this is going to be very much cheaper. You're really only going to have to pay for your transport and your food and whatever equipment you need. And really, this is probably the, the main option that a lot of people will use, providing that they have friends that are into hiking. I mean, if you don't know any hikers, um, it really leaves you with the commercial operations as being the the choice for guiding. Okay, so let's look at the pros and cons of a guided hike. Now, it doesn't matter what sort of trip you plan on doing, there are always pros and cons. Which type of trip you choose will depend on your priorities. So do you want to do as little work as possible or do you want the full-on hiking experience? Now, assuming you've gone down the option and decided that you do want a guided experience to some degree, uh, let's look at the pros and cons. So in relation to the pros, um, having someone do all the decision-making, including meal planning, uh, providing gear recommendations, sorting out travel arrangements, uh, can take a fair amount of stress out of the trip, particularly if you don't like doing the logistics. In a past life, I have organised... Uh, sporting uh, trips uh, outside of the hiking field. Uh, and I must admit, it's it can be to the extreme where, I, and in some occasions, I almost felt like people came to, to me and asked me, is, is it time to go to the toilet? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was... It, it, you can it, have fun now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Start. <laughs> it, yeah, I think it's it's one of those sort of things that, one of the reasons that people like doing guided trips is they can switch off. They want to do the hike, but they don't want to do all the logistical arrangements. They just want to know when they turn up, uh, what they need to bring with them, and then let somebody else do everything else for them. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's okay. I mean, this is supposed to be for, for a lot of people, um, you know, a holiday, not just uh, an experience uh, they're going to enjoy. And I can appreciate you know, there were there were there were a couple of jobs I did that were just full on and big, and uh, some days I couldn't even decide what we we're going to have for dinner. Don't make me make another decision today. So, um, people going on their holidays and wanting someone else to <laughs> to tell them when it's time to go to the toilet, it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, certainly the logistical uh, logistical considerations is probably the big one. Now. 
It may be that you don't particularly like solo hiking, you like hiking with others, uh, and you may find that you want to do a trip, but you can't convince any of your friends to go with you, <laughs> or you don't have any friends who are interested in bushwalking oh, or hiking. <laughs> you pause too much then when you don't have any friends. <laughs> well, that's another option as well. Um, so going on a guided hike is an opportunity to join a group. Um, and again, it may be a small group or maybe a big group, um, but it gives you the option to say, well, okay, I don't want to do this. I've got this hike that I'm really keen on doing, but I don't want to do it by myself. Uh, this group, this particular group, this club, this meetup group, this commercial operator is doing it. I'll join up with them. The thing with having a guide on a trip is they typically tend to know the uh, the walk that you're doing really well. So you may find, and I'll, I'll use as an example here, there's one hike that I do uh, in the local Canberra area. Uh, it does have Indigenous rock art as the main focal point of that. There is some rock art that is hidden. Uh, not for any particular reason, it's just out of the way. And unless you know it's there, you would walk straight past it. So every time I take people out there, which is not that often, I'll show them this particular piece of, uh, uh, of Indigenous rock art that most people would just walk straight past. Having someone that, you know, if, so if you're into photography, you may find that the guide knows, look, there's a really good uh, location to take a, a view over a particular valley. Uh, and again, it may be a matter of going off track, you know, five or ten metres, but unless someone tells you, you may not think to do that. So the guides really can, you know, you're not just paying them to make sure you get from point A to point B. They're often doing it in such a way that's going to enhance the experience. Yeah, and this is an interesting one, actually, and, um, you know, some something worth uh, discussing is that at the beginning of a lot of these uh, guided um, trips, tours, hiking experiences, whatever you want to talk, call them, um, the the guide will, will ask people what they're interested in, why they're here and those sorts of things. And when I think about it, you get some really kind of standard answers. This is something I always wanted to do, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I really don't think I've heard anybody say, I am really interested in photography of very small things um, or, you know, I like a particular experience and so on. And, and it's a great opportunity to share that with your guide because, you know, just as you were saying, Tim, um, they know where all these things are and they will seek them out and they will point them out to for you um, so that it adds a little bit more to, to the trip and to your enjoyment. So... You know, when everyone's sitting around saying, you know, I'm I'm Joe and I'm from here and I like hiking, um, add a bit of personality to the story as well. So so the guide's got somewhere to go because, you know, you don't want to discover that. And I think we've been on a, on a tour where the guide discovered something very, very late. I think it was the second last day or something like that about a particular person and they just thought, wow, you know, that would have been so good to know at the beginning because I could have pointed all of these things out along the way. Now, the other advantage with having a guide, um, particularly on the guided hikes, is that uh, if something goes wrong, there's someone there to manage whatever issue happens to be. If someone trips and sprains an ankle, someone breaks a leg, someone has some sort of medical issue or uh, 
they, they, they're just not feeling well. Um, a guide is there to help with that, whatever that issue may be. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, sometimes it's hard for hikers to know, yeah, I've just broken – I've or I've just sprained my ankle. Should I call? Should I call a uh, for emergency help? Uh, yeah, and the guides will have uh, emergency equipment like EPIRBs or satellite phones, uh, and they can call somebody in where you, as an individual, may not have that capacity. So um, it it does help to have an experienced guide, and the, and typically commercial guides uh, or guides that are running. Uh, trips with clubs will have wilderness first aid experience and they know what to do. Yeah, they know what to do and also they've got the connections and the networks locally to be able to reach out quickly to um, people who can support. So, you know, I, th- I think, again, that that um, relationship, set of relationships and networks is, is going to be important. And the other one which has probably permeated through our discussion for, so far is, is meeting new people. So on the guided hikes that uh, Jill and I have done in the past, we've met people from all over the world. And typically the guided hikes we do are overseas ones. Uh, and we've met people from all over the world who've done hiking all over the world and people we wouldn't necessarily come across uh, just doing our local walks around Australia. So it's a good opportunity to meet people who have different lives and different experiences. And I must admit, you know, there's been a couple of the trips we've done where it's put into my mind that, wow, that sounds like a really interesting hike. I wouldn't mind doing that. And it was something I hadn't thought about before. Uh, it's only because that I've talked to someone from England or America uh, and they've mentioned something. I thought, oh, that, that's, I hadn't thought about that. So we've got meeting new people down as a pro, but we might also have to have it as a con, I think. <laughs> we will. Now, being still on the pro side, if we start looking at things like uh, private guided hikes, um, you know, having your own personal guide, whether it's a, a, as a, a single person or as two people or even, even three or four when it's your group and you're not having other people coming in, uh, it means that you can dictate the terms if you like. Within reason, I mean, obviously you've got logistics to meet and you've got flights to make if, in some areas, but you, you might say look, I want to spend all my time taking photos of fungus and lichen. Um, and, uh, and it's the sort of thing that, you know, if that's what you the group wants to do and the guide can say, look, on day three, uh, how about we walk a bit faster on day two and uh, we can spend a day and a half at the day three location doing just that. Um, so, you know, you have that advantage when you've got a private guided trip uh, to be able to have a bit of flexibility uh, and to have a certain, a much greater degree of control. You do need to have the uh, support of the group, however big or small um, that is, because having followed someone around taking macro images of um, lichen <laughs> and fungi, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to work in that area, but, gee, you know, after a while someone with their, you know, their head and their camera inches away from something very small and you're standing there going, I think we've seen a lot of this now. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't thrill me. <laughs> We're talking about Pine Valley there in, ta- in Tasmania, which is a... Hours yeah, we spent. <laughs> which, is a, which, is, which is an optional walk on um, the overland track or an optional, optional segment on the overland track. And I could have quite comfortably spent an entire day in a 20-square-metre area with, with a macro lens. Yeah, and uh, m- me standing there watching, uh, yeah, no, I couldn't have spent a day doing that, thanks. 
All right, so there are always cons within any particular type of hiking. And certainly within hiking, there's a saying called hike your own hike. And in short, this means that do what makes you happy rather than what makes somebody else happy. And when you've got a group of six or eight or ten people that you don't know and some people are into macro photography, some people into landscape photography, some people just like walking uh, and taking in the views, uh, and it's you've got to try and balance that out. And on a group trip, typically you have a start and a finish point. You have to get there at a certain time. Um, you know, I, I in our South American trip, um, in 2006, I drove the guide insane uh, because I was topping <laughs> to take photos of orchids and, and the natty flowers over there and basically I was travelling at the end of the, the pack. Uh, he got he got bit pretty frustrated. He had a, uh, uh, a timetable to meet and uh, we were getting in his way, I think. Um, or maybe he had a hot date or something. Yeah, whereas in Bhutan, same sort of situation. Uh, I travelled at the end of the pack uh, the guide was aware of that, so I'd, I'd often stop, uh, take my photos, put my camera away, catch up to the group, uh, find something else interesting, stop again, let the group get ahead. And in that situation, you know, the guide knew what was going on. I, I, I wasn't getting too far behind. I was always joining back up again. But, yeah, you do have to be able to work that out and work in with a group, and sometimes that's just not possible. Yeah, I think he thought it was a bit f- funny because I was at the top of the group, the the, the the front of the pack, um, looking up and out uh, rather than looking through the lens of a camera. I take very few photos. Okay, uh, Jill's already mentioned this. Uh, one of the other cons is other people. Uh, now, I am very much a social person. I love the company of others, but sometimes I don't want to be around other people. Uh, so I like having the control to be able to say, Thanks very much. I finished talking uh, today. Uh, I don't want to talk for the rest of the day. Just leave me alone. And that's a hard thing when you're traveling as a group because you come across as being rude. Um, I am definitely a, a an extrovert, uh, but sometimes I re, re, um, my, my ability to recharge is very much as an introvert. Uh, I just like to have a bit of peace and quiet where I can spend time by myself. And I think the thing with other people as well, yeah, you know, there's things like snoring, uh, and I'll own up here to being a snorer. Um, you know, you're in a hut or in a group uh, area, and in Bhutan we were in a, a, a group of, I think it was about six two-person tents, uh, and even though the tents were spread apart, probably five or six or seven metres, you could hear snoring coming from other tents. Uh, and, and that's saying something, Tim, because you're a snorer and some of those other people just left you for dead, let me tell you. I wouldn't like, wouldn't have liked to be in those tents. So I think, you know, travelling as a group, you can sort of shift yourself away from everybody. You don't have to worry about, I won't say upsetting anybody, but, yeah, you don't have to worry about anybody else because you're travelling by yourself. So um, you know, it is a, a con <laughs> to travelling as a group. Um, and as well, a, well, I definitely upset a few people when uh, the the young younger women in the group decided on our Bhutan trip that it was okay for the uh, guide to carry them across a shallow creek uh, because the water was cold and they didn't want to take their boots off and get their feet even colder. Um, yeah, about four of them and I went off, <laughs> just went off. I just I thought it was wrong, wrong, wrong in so many different ways. Anyway, that's another story, but yes. <laughs> and last but not least, probably the most obvious one is the cost. 
a guided experience is going to cost you a lot more than it would be doing the trip under your own steam uh, in most cases. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But just to give you an idea, if you think about the Overland track, which is probably our best known multi-day track in Australia, um, you can, you know, you fly into Launceston typically, you get transfers to the trailhead and then you start walking uh, and then you get picked up at the other end and taken back to Launceston or Hobart or wherever it is you're going. But I mean, really, you've got the cost of the uh, permit to do the track um, and that's pretty much about it. And, and your food. There is a company in Tasmania that does luxury guided trips. And I was looking at the their website uh, just before I recorded this. Uh, and a six-day trip with them, was, depending on the time of the year, was approximately $3,600 to $3,900. But you got to sleep in a cabin at the end of the night. Uh, you got someone coming to cook your food, you got all non-alcoholic beverages, you got a selection of Tasmanian wines, uh, and you had a small group to work with as that well. That sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> it is. So, but I, mean, I presume you're carrying a smaller pack? And you're carrying oh, a, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're carrying a smaller pack as well because you're not having to worry about tents and sleeping bags uh, or carrying your food. Really what you're doing is just carrying what you need for the day. And, and you might actually have you know, your extra clothing, but it's not a full pack. So it means that you know you've got someone guiding you. Uh, you've got a, a luxury. You, know, you can have a warm shower, and you can have a um, uh, a good meal at the end of the day, and a glass of wine. It, it's an interesting one, and I think you know going back to hike your own hike. This is about what's important to you, and um, you know those sorts of things. There's obviously a cost that would be beyond most people. Um, but if that's really, really, really important to you, then, you know, you'll save up for that and you'll make put that on your bucket list and all of that kind of good stuff. So it's it's not about um, just what you can afford. It's what's, what's more important and what kind of experience you're looking for. And it may be from either a medical perspective or a fitness perspective, you can't do a self-guided hike and carry a full pack. And this is a good option and a good alternative. We, a few years ago, did the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail uh, and we had a non-hiking friend join us. And she was concerned because she had ankle issues uh, about whether she could do the, the trip or not. And back issues and, and whether ba- she could carry the pack. Yeah. yeah. So one of the options down on, on that trail was that someone would actually come through and pick up your pack in the morning and drop it off uh, to the next campsite. So all her additional stuff, her tent, her sleeping bag, all the stuff that she didn't need for the day uh, just got dropped uh, ahead of her, uh, which means all she was carrying was a day pack and that was it. Yeah, and it was secure. It was in a, it was in a locked uh, sometimes container, sometimes it was a trailer, but um, it was all locked away or, and she had a code. All she had to do was unlock it, grab her bag and, and uh, put up her tent, um, though – it was going to be cheaper if uh, two or more uh, went in with the same arrangement and uh, she she did ask me if I'd like to do that and uh, Tim told me I wasn't allowed. <laughs> I had to carry I had to carry my pack. <laughs> now we did say that quite often that a guided experience uh, can be more expensive uh, and I'll use an example and there are a couple of countries around the world that do this. So on our Bhutan trip, uh, I'd heard 
stories before going that uh, it's an expensive trip and it's expensive because uh, they uh, limit the number of people that can do it. Uh, now, when we talked to a couple of people about this, uh, that the, the guide included, what it ended up being, the, the reason for the limit was twofold. Firstly, there was one international airport at that time, uh, which meant that um, you know, there's only so many people who could physically fly into the country. The other thing is that you know, there's nothing stopping you doing your own trip in Bhutan However, the permit cost increases quite dramatically. And in fact, it's cheaper to hire a guide than it is to do a self-guided trip. So you, can, you may well want to do a self-guided trip. It's just going to cost you more. And the idea with this is that it's designed to create employment in the industry for the local guides. So it's perfectly valid reason. And I think it's, it's not a bad thing. Uh, because as part of that, our guide gave us some cultural experience, uh, took us into some local homes that we wouldn't have necessarily been able to do by ourselves. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, and I think that's that's the big plus about um, having a guide of some kind uh, or had, having guidance of some kind. Uh, it's about the experience. It's about the local knowledge. Uh, it's about access to to different things that you might not normally have access to. Now, I suppose just to finish off, from both Jill and my perspective, we're probably not uh, big fans of guided hikes. We prefer to do our own thing. However, sometimes it just makes sense. So for us in particular, travelling overseas, uh, particularly in non-Western countries where the culture may not be as familiar, uh, we're not too sure of the logistics, um, sometimes it's easier just to have someone uh, do all the work for you. Um, and, and, you know, yes, you're hiking with other people, but I think overall uh, it's a good option. Um, now, when it comes to deciding what you want to achieve out of a trip, um, ultimately, it may be the cost that determines it. Uh, but if you still consider yourself a beginner, uh, guiding uh, or having a guided hike may be a good option until you feel comfortable to branch out on your own. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. We hope you found this interesting. Uh, as we said, this is the last podcast for 2020. We have a two-week break before the next podcast. Um, and I'm getting back, uh, assuming we don't have any more bushfires <laughs> or any more COVID-related issues, I'll be getting back onto a more regular scheduling of, of interviews, trail reviews and, uh, and hiking practice. We'll talk a bit more about that in the uh, first podcast of 2021. Okay. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.